0: Welcome, friends, to another episode of Chris in the Classroom. I'm Chris. This is my classroom. Today's episode is brought to you by the Squabbles program for schools. Hey, if you want to transform the way your school does social, emotional learning, go to chrisintheclassroom.com slash squabbles for all the info. It's a fun program. It's entertaining. It's not boring. Uh, Everything in there is practical, relevant, interactive, and it can be implemented with any grade level. So definitely go check out chrisintheclassroom.com classroom.comslash squabbles. Also, thanks to the Raise Them Strong program for parents and kiddos. This program is specifically designed for parents to help their kids manage and regulate emotions and solve their social problems. You get weekly resilience exercises monthly parenting courses with some of the greatest minds in the industry conflict resolution games and exercises a bi-weekly q a call with brooks gibbs and other members of the team and so much more go check it out at chrisintheclassroom.com raise them strong okay friends today we are going to hop in on a chat that I recently had with comedian Bob Smiley. Now, Bob is a nationally touring comedian. He's been here in the classroom before. He's a clean comedian. He's hilarious. And a few years ago, he went through a divorce. Now, I know so many people have gone through divorce, and everybody handles it in different ways, but I love Bob's perspective, how he handled it, how he took care of his kids during that time and how he was able to cope and find the good in such a rough situation. So here we go, hopping in with my conversation with my friend and yours, Bob Smiley.
1: It's fun to go back, there, there's a church in uh, uh, it's Iowa or somewhere up there, and they, 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 brought me in four years in a row to do a night show and then a preach the next morning uh, at their Sunday morning service. And I like it because it forces me to come up with new material all the time. Cause they brought me in four years in a row. And the, uh, but the other thing that has kind of been fun is to go back and listen to my old stuff, you know, stuff from like 18, 20 years ago and be like, so I have this bit about And this is a true story. I actually got booked to perform at an Amish uh, company. Uh, they, they built uh, tables and you know, all this stuff. Oh no, no, it wasn't. It was a cheese. It was a cheese factory. They sold tables and stuff in the front, but it was, uh, they made cheese. So it was their big corporate Christmas party and they booked me to do comedy, but my booking agent didn't tell me that it was all Amish people. And so I, I fly out, I'm, I'm, I get my suitcases full of merch. You know, you would have thought my, you know, agent would have told me, Hey, probably not going to sell a lot of CDs. Um, but I'm dragging my merch uh, suitcases across the street to the steel and it's full of horses and buggies, but I still don't get it. I'm literally, I'm going and thinking, this is the most romantic group I've ever seen. They all took horses and, you know, carriages <laughs> to the, and so I go in anyway, so I this bit and uh, I, again, just totally forgot about it. But because this church, you know, keeps hiring me back, I went back and I and I found that on one of my CDs and I was like, well, that's a fun bit. And so I punched it up, added some new jokes and stuff. And so now I've been doing that. Well, I haven't been doing anything in the last three, three and a half months. But before all this happened, you know, I was bringing that back and and doing it and doing it in kind of a new way. So that's, that's when it gets kind of fun. Whenever you have a body of work that you, know, you can do that. I know uh, you know, Hawkins does that all the time. He'll, we'll, we'll be out, you know, doing shows and stuff. And all of a sudden he'll start telling a bit that I saw him do when I first met him. And I'm like, oh my goodness, he's bringing it back. And, you know, he does the same thing. He, he polishes it up and, you know, makes it, makes it new and, and punchy.
0: And uh, so, yeah, it's, it's fun. It's fun business. Wow. it's fun. It's funny you brought up. Tim Hawkins. I remember uh, you know, he's got potty break, you've got uh he had potty break. Yeah. Um and you you and uh you and your wife Sarah, you guys do the Hook Line and Smiley podcast, which is awesome, big fan. Oh, thanks, Uh, man. Thank you. Um I'm a couple episodes behind, I'm a couple weeks behind, but uh yeah, love it. Um kind of shifting gears a little bit, I remember. Uh, Because I followed you for a long time. You know, I just love, uh, I love clean comedy. I love, uh, you know, you you know, guys like you and Hawkins and Brannion and Johnny W and Ken Kington. I stumbled onto Tim Hawkins podcast and I was listening through episodes. I remember exactly where I was. We were living in Texas. I was mowing my yard and I was listening through my, my earbuds when I was mowing my yard. And it was one of the earlier episodes of potty break. And I remember hearing you tell a story about like everything just kind of paused. The hilarity stopped and Tim was like, so Bob, you've got news. And, uh, you know, and this is kind of what I wanted to f- focus on today, but he just kind of gave you the mic. You started talking about how you had been flying solo. You, Oh, yeah got divorced. And I remember like, I shut the mower off and I walked over to my porch and I sat down and I just kind of like, I just listened so intently, like what? And you told the way you went through the process and told the story. Cause I think it had been a year. There'd been about a year period in between from when it happened to, you know, you telling it on, on the potty break you kind of talked about and walked through how you handled it, you know, and how your, your, your sons handled it. And it just blew my mind, like just the shock of everything and, and, and all that stuff. And, you know, my big thing is, is talking about resilience and overcoming struggles and specifically, you know, humor, you know, and you like, I gotta be honest with you whenever I think now of the word resilience and overcoming and stuff like that, I can't not think about you just because, you know, I I heard you talk about that so early on, on Tim Hawkins podcast and to see you now, you know, you've got Sarah so many years later and you've worked a lot of stuff into your routines and just the growth that you've had, like, I mean, just bring, bring it back to, However many years ago it was, you know, I'll just let you go. You tell as much as you want to, don't want to, whatever. But a lot of kids that I come in contact with when I'm speaking, and and parents especially too, because I speak with adults and counselors too. This is one thing that's kind of, I don't want to say it's taboo, but it's not talked about a lot, and how to help, how to help just people in general of all ages kind of process through it. So I'll just give you the reins and you know, you, you go. Well, it was, I mean, it
1: was shocking. Like I didn't see it coming. I didn't, uh, you know, there weren't things leading up to, uh, it happening. Uh, I guess looking back, I should have been a little bit more, uh, cautious or you know i should have asked more questions and stuff but um yeah she she left um she is now married to the guy that was really friends with i mean we we i just i just didn't see it coming and uh she just left she just walked away and uh it was kind of out of the blue and so i at first there was there was a lot of things a lot of things I'll, i'll share with you but at first i thought oh, my career is over, like nobody's going to know, because most of my shows are in churches. So, uh, you know, I was like, churches aren't going to hire a divorced comedian, you know, because it, it, it is so taboo. It is so, you know, nobody's talking about it. Uh, you know, I had a couple of friends that did get divorced and even people at church kind of shunned them. Uh, you know, it's, it, it's terrible. And then, and then, uh, so that was one thing. And uh, it was, it was a pretty dark time. Uh, of my life, you know, the kids were shocked too, because they didn't, they didn't see any of it coming as well. And, uh, you know, they were dealing with their own stuff. There was a lot of uh, anger, you know, my oldest still will not talk to his mom at all. Um, Has no relationship with her at all. And so there was, there was that of uh, trying to keep my life together and try to help my kids, you know, kind of get through all this. But to be honest, I I didn't understand it. I didn't, uh, you know, I was dealing with a lot of anger and Uh, stuff like you know bitterness and uh, even just watching people at church how they kind of split you know some people were totally okay with what was going on and um, you know would go out to dinner with them and just act like you know it was not no big deal that two families were you know broken apart and so I was there was a lot of bitterness with that and I was trying not to let my kids um, see that and I knew they were dealing with their own hearts So it was, it was a really dark time, but I never thought that I would share that or that it would be able to help other people. So I appreciate your words. I appreciate you saying, you know, telling me like what you thought whenever you heard it and stuff, because um, the reason why I actually started talking about it was I was booked at uh, Lakewood. I had been booked there the year before and I did a marriage uh, comedy night. And so they sold tickets and it was, you know, they wanted me to do a lot of stuff about being married and all that, and it sold out immediately. And so they, they as soon as the show was over, he turned around and booked me for the next year. Well, it was in the, in the middle of that, um, that's when uh, she left. And so I called Lakewood because I I've fully expected them to not you know have me show up and do the show. So I called them and I, I said, hey guys, I just wanna let you know what's going on. I fully understand if you wanna get another uh, comedian. And I'll never forget what they said. They, they said, do you have Tim Hawkins' phone number? Uh, No, that's not true. Uh, That's not true. Um, But no, they said they were like, "Oh my gosh, we'll be praying for you and your kids. Um, We appreciate you telling us." But would you be comfortable talking about it on stage? And I was, and that threw me, because I thought churches absolutely wouldn't even hire me. And now this church is telling me, and so I, I was like, "Seriously?" And and they said so many of our, our married couples are struggling, they're, they're going through a lot. And uh, just hearing because I kind of shared, you know, what, what was going on and kind of how I was handling it. And they were like, if, you know, if you think you could stand on stage and talk about it, and if you know, uh, I was, I was very careful not to uh, run my wife in the ground or, you know, say anything. So they were like, you know, we, we if you can say it in a positive way, uh, we would love we think it would really help people. So I didn't, because my job as a comedian, I, I have to be funny, right? That's my, that's my first job. Then I can, you know, talk about Jesus or I can, you know, encourage people. So I actually went to uh, Houston improv and I did my first open mic night, uh, it was like five or six years ago. I'd never done an open mic night. I called Brandon and Streblo and Hawkins on the way down. And they were like, Oh my goodness, you're gonna, your, your life is about to change. And it was, have you done
0: I've done several and I I did one probably two weeks ago and Hmm. they do not disappoint. (laughs) They are, it is, I am so
1: hooked. I'm so hooked because my oldest son is 21 and he uh, is, was supposed to start opening for me for any kind of local shows and stuff. Uh, The, his first debut comedy show was going to be in March uh, and that was the week that everything got canceled so but we're going to start going to the open mic nights now uh, just so he can get up and try stuff and but it was it was a train wreck and as a comedian it's so much fun to watch other comics that are not good because it's just so cringeworthy so the first guy that got up so I'm oh and when I got there and I'm not famous at all but when I got there I was thinking okay I'm I'm The reason why I was going to the open mic nights is I wanted to try out material about being a single dad, about going through divorce to see if it was funny first, and then I could put a positive message and spin on it whenever I took it into churches, but I didn't want to try it out in a church first. So does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah, for sure.
1: Yeah. So I went, I went in, I was going to go under an assumed name. I was going to sign up Jack and you know, so what was that? Jack Dylan because Jack Reacher is my favorite series of books that I read and uh, Bob Dylan is my favorite uh, singer. So, I just in case somebody was there that knew me, uh, I was going to have a, you know, a fake name and so that it didn't show up on the right. Ra- I'd never been. I didn't know what all the process was, but that I was thinking that. And when I walked into the club, you have to get there early uh, because there's a wait list and you have to sign up and they draw names. So you don't, you're not necessarily going to get on stage and all that. So I didn't know how any of that worked, but I, I knew that I was supposed to get there early. I walked in and the guy who was hosting it, no, and he was like, what are you doing? And so he told me uh, that, you know, how it worked. But he goes, but you don't even have to put your name in. I'm just going to put you right here. You'll be uh, slot number four. It's a really good slide. Uh, so now all the other comics that showed up that are trying to get their, you know, three or five minute sets. Now they're all like, who is this jerk? Oh, they just man. came in. So they wouldn't talk to me. They wouldn't do. And so I got up well, and I did my set.
0: And the comics that usually go to an open mic night probably not the same people that are going to come to one of your shows right we'll just we'll just put it that way they they wouldn't identify with the same kind of humor that you and I would
1: yeah absolutely it was it was so filthy at some point that oh it yeah yes but I got up and did I so you can get three minutes or five minutes depending on how long you've been doing comedy and stuff like that but uh Dale Cheeseman was the host and he he gave me five minutes So I got up and and did this five-minute bit on being divorced and being a single dad. It went really well. And it was funny because when I got off the stage, now all these comics are surrounding me. And they're like, that was amazing. That was so cool. Like, how long have you been doing (laughs) stand-up? And I told the truth. I said, that was my first open mic, which is true. (laughs) Now, I've been doing... stand up for like twenty you know twenty years but you know that was my first open mind <laughs> and they were all like you're gonna make it man that was so your timing is good um, but I was I was hooked the the comedy I'll call it comedy
0: yeah that I've
1: heard the first guy that got up there actually looked like uh he looked like Darren Streblo, if Darren Streblow uh, lived at a nuclear plant. Um, I guess that's the nicest way. He kind of looked like Streblo, just like a mutated version of him. Uh, got up, he had a leather jacket on, and he got up, and I totally remember his act. he goes, uh, uh, I'm divorced. And so as soon as he said that, I was like, oh, okay, so you can definitely talk about that subject matter, because that's what I was gonna get up and do. He goes, I was divorced. My wife and I didn't see eye to eye. Like, I wanted kids and she died and then it's just dead quiet in the club just dead quiet And he goes yeah when when she went into the coma i told her that i would be there forever Uh, no matter what i would never leave her and then i got the first electricity bill and it's just, again, you can hear ice clinking in the glasses. And one lady, when he said, I got the electricity bill, one lady in the back just goes, ugh. And that was it. <laughs> so I was hooked from, from just the second joke on. I was hooked watching these guys get up there and try. Because, you know, I, I only hang out with really good comics. So you kind of forget how hard it is. Yeah. And that not everybody can you know, write a bit in the green room and go up and, and kill with it uh up there. So yeah, there was just uh but I got up and I and I did I did the gig. Uh it, it all went really well. And so then I was like, okay, I think I'm ready. And so showed up at Lakewood. Uh they'd sold it out again, did the show. I walked back to my table and I, I was really vulnerable. I just opened up and was like this is what's uh, has happened since I was here last. Uh and then uh I went, you know, but I was my message was that God could get you through anything like truly uh, I had had a great childhood growing up I had a great career uh, I really had not had a, very many struggles in my life and I'm, I've been traveling all over the country telling people that God could get you through anything but you know I was doing it from like a mountaintop and now all of a sudden my kids and I were wandering through this desert that that we didn't even see coming up on the horizon and I could, I could honestly stand on stage and tell people that God could get you through anything. Like he you know, He carried us through that, with through like people coming in and loving on us. Uh, even, you know, there was a lady that I, she's now one of my best friends, uh, Brianna. She uh, is a single mom. She had gone to church with us for probably 14, 15 years. So I knew her, but we weren't really friends. And the second all this happened, Like she started bringing food over because you know all of a sudden I'm I'm responsible for these three boys and I'm you know I'm depressed and you know I I did a lot of scrambling just to keep us alive. And, you know, she would bring food over to us or check on us or other people would, you know, uh, call and, you know, try to try to encourage me, you know, try to, you know, make, make me laugh and, you know, just, just check on me. and stuff. so, I mean, I, I truly had the message of God. So when I got off the stage, I went to my table and there was a huge line and it wasn't to buy my merchandise. It was couples that were like, yeah, we've been struggling in our marriage. You know, I appreciate you talking about it. and it made me realize like, Oh, this is a bigger thing than just me. Like, there's a lot of people out there that are either going through it or, you know, they're leading into it or, you know, there's some, there's some struggles. So the next day I had to show in Michigan, and I flew to Michigan again was not planning on talking about this regularly uh, because it was just hard. I mean, I'll be honest. I was so distraught for a while that, um, you know, one, one of my first comedy shows back after she left, I remember standing on stage, I was in Indiana, I was actually doing a gig with Johnny W. And I'm on stage and we're doing this corporate event and I'm, I'm watching all these people laugh and I just stopped in a second. And nobody knew what was going on at the time because it was really fresh. And I just remember thinking in my mind like, what are you laughing at? Don't you guys know how much pain there is in this world? Like I just, I didn't find anything funny at all. And then yet I'm on stage trying to make people laugh and, and bring them joy. So it was, it was difficult for a while, but so I flew to Michigan. I don't know why, but halfway through my show, I just really felt like I was supposed to talk about it. I, I thought I would get some, uh, you know, some flack for talking about divorce and stuff. Uh, but I, I really felt strongly I was supposed to do it. So I, I did. And when I got off stage, I was walking back to my merch table and there was this huge, he was about six, four and he, March table and he he just looks so angry, and I walk over to my table and he grabs me by the shoulder and he pulls me over the side and I'm like okay here it comes you know the flag <laughs> that I was expecting, and he looked at me and he goes my wife left me yesterday, and I don't know who you are, definitely did not want to go see a comedian, and then all of a sudden you're talking about how you can get through this and that there is positives and things like that and uh, he was like man thank you so much and his friend had drugged him. To the comedy show, and one of the things I talked about that night was that you we're built for community, and so we don't need to go through stuff alone. Like we need mm-hmm. to reach out, and and you know if we're if we're hurting, you know that that was the best advice that I got was actually from Tim Hawkins. He was like, "Don't don't go through this alone," and that was really the best advice. And so I was you know I was telling the crowd that, and so he came over and he was like, "Man, you're you're absolutely right, my friend. Just keeps you know like." he drugged me to this comedy show and he was like, you got to, you got to stay out. You got to, you know, uh, hang out with us and, you know, not just sit in the room and and brood over what was going on because Satan loves isolation. Yes. You see this with bullying. If, if kids can be, you know, bullied and they just, and they isolate themselves, then man, that's whenever all these bad thoughts start creeping up. If, If you can, you know, have a community or have people that, uh, you do check in with, uh, you know, I th- I think it definitely helps you get over that kind of stuff.
0: That's one of the biggest things that, you know, uh, I'm hearing you, you know, you're telling all these stories and it's just like, there's so many just bullet points, you know, don't go through it alone. I'll always have somebody there with you. Um, uh, don't be afraid to talk about it, um, mm-hmm. you know, because you never know. And one of the biggest things that I've seen, you know, throughout this throughout, at least from, you know, kind of watching you from afar is you've taken what so many people would consider to be horrible. My life is over situation. And you found a way to turn it into something positive because just by talking about it on stage and vocalizing it, it's like you're helping. You know, so you've you've taken your pain and you said, no, I'm going to actually help people Mm -hmm. who are in this situation, which, you know, just psychologically, sociologically speaking, you know, is a coping skill. It's a coping mechanism. You know, like when you can help somebody out, you're also helping yourself heal at the same time. Absolutely. That
1: was that was one of the the pluses of me taking it and talking about it on stage was I was encouraging people, but I was also finding out that I was absolutely not alone in this, that other people had gone through, you know, this or worse. And uh, that's why I ended up talking about it on uh, Tim's podcast, because I was touring with him at the time. And so I would talk about it on stage because it was, it was a huge opportunity. You know, it's Tim's crowd. So it's like four, you know, thousand people a night. And so I would share with people like, you know, hey, look, we're, we don't have perfect lives even up here. Like we, we have a target on our back, just like, you know, and if you guys, if, if you're there, there definitely is going to be a target on your back. And uh, so and then afterwards, a lot of times people come up and go, hey, I've been where you're at. And now I'm several you know miles down the road and things are better. You're absolutely right. God can get you through this. And then they'd share the story. So that ended up encouraging me. So just just realizing that you're not alone is a huge step to getting better and you know getting your mind uh, set, but that's like it was funny how people started finding out. Uh, some of my really diehard fans figured it out pretty quickly because I was always posting stuff about my wife and how much I loved her and you know photos, and then all of a sudden that just went away. And so some people would me- private message me on, on Facebook and say, "Hey, what what is something going on?" And if they were really diehard fans like I n- and knew them, then I would start sharing that. Uh, I did Darren Streblow's radio show and I talked about it on there. So I was kind of just, you know, letting it out little by little just to see, like I felt like God was doing something with it, but I didn't want to jump out and be like, Hey, I'm the divorce comic, you know, kind of thing. I wanted to, you know, be cautious about it. And so I did Streblow's radio show. And so that, that got it out a little bit. And then I was talking about it on stage and, I I remember that day that we recorded, you know, we don't ever plan out the podcast. We just get on the bus and just start talking. And you can probably tell, but we don't ever have anything planned out. But that night he came and he was like, hey, are you, man, I just, I feel like it's helping people. Are you comfortable talking about it on the podcast? So now we're talking about hundreds of thousands of people, you know, hearing it. And uh, we didn't talk about how we were going to set it up or what I was going to share, but uh, that is how he did. He goes, uh, so he was, I think he was talking about a, uh, like an airplane flight or something. Mm-hmm. And he was like, uh, okay, now, uh, I'm going to, I don't know how you want to get into it. And I was like, well, I'm now flying solo, uh, speaking of flights. And so that is how we right. got into it. So that went out. The reason I'm all this is uh, like little by little. And I thought the Hawkins thing would have been, you know, huge, but then three months later, I, I had all these uh, Bed Bath & Beyond coupons, you know, the 20% off coupons. And so I just took a photo of like 40 of those in my hand. And I, and I just said, uh, just saying, I'm single ladies, you know, and I just was doing it as a joke of, I have these Bed Bath & Beyond coupons that they would want. And that one post just went crazy. And everybody's like, what? You're divorced? And I was like, I've been talking about it for like, you know, eight months now like how are you so it's weird how you know that comes. carrie pomeroli do you know her
0: i do know carrie yeah
1: yeah so she divorced uh, right like about six months before i did and i'm i'm really good friends with her and her husband uh, he's the comic too uh and we've done cruises together and like we we've known each other for for a long time and it was kind of funny because carrie called me and she goes uh i'm we're, i'm not telling anybody this but for some reason, God really keeps putting you on my heart to call and tell you this. But Ron and I are divorced. And uh, I, it was right in the middle of me going through it. And I i told Hawkins and Streblo and Branyon And uh, I was like, well, I guess, you know, you're calling because you know that I'm going through the same thing. And she was like, what? Because I thought one of those guys just told her. Wow. And she had no clue either. But, you know, God brought us together. That's when we started, we started this tour called Singles Not a Four Letter Word, because we got to looking around and realizing there's not a lot of stuff out there for singles, especially divorced uh, singles. And it kind of made me mad. I was like, why is the church missing out on this? You know, why aren't they doing something? But then I had the conviction of, well, why am I not doing something? And so that's when we started this tour and was, you know, traveling and so we would do comedy but we also had a lot of takeaway you know encouraging things and just getting singles all together in the church to realize again they're not alone and you know a lot of us have the same struggle and you know trying to raise kids on our own and, and stuff like that so um it just i i it's not the ministry i wanted to have but you know i'm glad i didn't want to run with the ball but i'm glad God has me on the team i guess
0: that's a good way to think of it yeah now being a comedian you know just the way our minds work, I mean, you're way more experienced than I am, but just the way that our minds work, we look at things in life way differently. I think Michael Jr. talks about it in in some of his stuff where he, you know, just the way a comedian's brain works, you look at things from, you know, 10 15 20 different angles and i think somebody said at one time you know you you could take a situation good bad indifferent and you try to poke holes in it to see if funny runs out and that's Mm -hmm. one of my that's one of my favorite analogies of comedy but when you had this situation what did it feel like to take this situation and and essentially, to poke the holes in it to see if anything funny would run out. Did that help you in the in the coping and healing process? Was it difficult at first? Like, what what was that like? It, it helped. I mean,
1: truly, I've heard this all my life. but like laughter is um, good medicine. Yeah, you know, and it, it's totally true. It, I'd always use comedy to make friends, you know, to, to get girlfriends to, you know, uh, to make people like me. I did photography for a year and using comedy, doing photography definitely helped. Everybody wanted to be around the funny comedian. I mean, the funny photographer. And um, so comedy has always been a big part of my life. I, it had never been a healing part of my life ever. And so when I was first going through this, uh, it was tough because I just didn't find anything funny at all. But I remember I was in the shower and the, one of the first times I ever laughed is, is I was in the shower and I was like, they're not 32 bottles of, of all this stuff. You know, like there used to be so many bottles of stuff in my shower. And, you know, it was always like a, a thing that I was going to accidentally wash my hair with shea butter foot scrub, um, you know, <laughs> which I've done. I've washed my head with shea butter foot scrub so much. I'm surprised I don't have a toe growing out of my head. And <laughs> I was sitting in the shower and there was one bottle of shampoo and it was a holiday Inn, and that was it. And I just, that was it. And I was like, there's so much room in here. And it made me laugh. And that was the first time I'd laughed in a long time and it gave me a pretty good chuckle. And so I got out of the shower, I wrote that down. And when I wrote it down, I was like, maybe there is some good, you know, funny, positive stuff. I, one of my, talked I talked about all this on a DVD called Breaking Bob.
0: Great, great DVD. Love that. Love that show.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, I was of it. Um, and so one of the one of the you know you have these breakout bits that everybody kind of gravitates to and likes. And um, one of it was about how we could now since it was just me and my three boys living at home that we could now touch any towel in our house. Because we used to have <laughs> we used to have these um non-touchable decorative towels that we couldn't touch. And when she left, we're like, oh, we're, you know, and it really did kind of become a frat house. Uh, and that was healing. My boys and I just laughing together. We started watching all these funny videos together. Uh, you know, we'd have dinner and then get in the living room. We just start watching fail blog or, you know, just anything that that had comedy and so laugh really did start to kind of uh, heal us. And, you know, we we, we kind of circled the wagons uh, with the Smiley boys. So me and my boys, uh, we started, you know, doing, hanging out, playing games all together a lot. And we were always very close anyway. But it, it definitely, I think, you know, we started checking on each other more uh, because it was, I mean, I was, I, I don't, I mean, I would have made it through, but my kids being there and loving on me because I was so broken and you know, you feel like you're not, you're not worthy and you feel like, you know, I, I should have been smarter. I should have saw the signs you know, beforehand, uh, caught on a little quicker, you know, all this kind of stuff. And so, uh, man, I was not healthy. I was not healthy at all. Um, you know, I wasn't sleeping at all. I was not eating. I dropped about, uh, I dropped about 30 pounds. And I didn't really have 30 pounds to drop. Like I was, I I was pretty emaciated and, you know, just having that time with my boys and all of us just sitting around laughing and playing games together and stuff that, that was very, very healing. So yeah, comedy did, uh, you know, at first it was hard, but as, as time went on, comedy did uh, take a big part of, you know, healing me and the kids.
0: Yeah. Now it's, it's cool that you mentioned your kids because, you know, it's one thing for, you know, for adults to get divorced. That's, uh, that's one thing. Um, Mm -hmm. But even, you know, when I was a teacher, you know, I was a teacher for 10 years, um, just seeing the change that happened in a kid when they would come to school, they're normally this, you know, awesome, bubbly, happy all the time kid. They come to school one day and they're just, everything is drained and I remember, I can't tell you how many conversations just calling a kid in my office and just saying like, Hey, you don't look like yourself. Is everything okay? And then they would say, Oh, my parent found out my parents are getting divorced or whatever mm-hmm. it's for as hard as it is on the, the spouses. It's probably from what I've seen, it's 10 times harder on the kids. Because they have, you know, like you said earlier, they have their own hundred thoughts that they're thinking, you know, you know, does, you know, mom or, and, or dad, you know, do they still love me? Is this my fault? You know, and for, it's one thing for an adult to deal with that stuff, but for, you know, a teenager or younger to deal with that stuff, it's, it's gotta be a nightmare. So from what I've seen, from what I know about you, you've always been like that. You know, you've always been kind of, you know, that awesome A plus dad. And- yeah. I try
1: to be real actively. Yeah, I I love being a dad more, more than comedy, more than anything else. So I appreciate that. Cause that's my, you know, that if, if when I die, um, if people just can say one thing about me, if they'll say, Oh, he was a good dad, then that I will have uh, lived my life. Right. I think.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And just the fact that you saw that in your, in your boys and you guys just got closer together. Mm-hmm. And let me, let me ask you this. Did any of you, did any of you guys go see a counselor? Did you have to go through therapy or did you really just kind of circle the wagons and get through it yourself? We kind of
1: circled the wagons. Um, uh... I'll try to answer this uh being nice um uh, yeah. so there was not there was not a relationship uh between uh the kids and the mom uh, for a while um my oldest is who i'm talking about um and so she felt like they needed uh therapy and so they did go my kids did go to the therapy i think four times um uh, i didn't really have anything to do with that they uh <laughs> they were not getting the results that they were wanting so uh they that ended pretty quickly uh, but they they did go to therapy uh for for a little bit the therapy works i know it's good for people but uh at that time you know i just don't think i don't know I, you know my kids just didn't feel like they were ready for it or needed it or you know i'm not really sure but it it you know, it was something that we looked into, but you know, sure. didn't stick with or anything. Yeah, my kids. I I had a friend whenever I was in high, junior high actually, um, and uh, his parents got divorced, and I literally watched him just completely change personalities, and you know, he was just sad all the time and uh, angry and and all that. And so, yeah, I knew it was going to be a struggle. My kids have handled it really well and that's no credit to me like i just feel like the my kids are not really resilient you know i i worried about the lessons they were going to learn you know i i don't i don't want them to think that if oh if they find somebody that has more money you know you just jump ship or you know that divorce is okay like i don't want them to to think that and uh so i really worried about that and i worried about Um, them getting angry at God or, you know, uh, falling away from that. Uh, There was a lot of uh, what I would consider hypocrisy in the church of, you know, this this was the, the two couples that were affected by it were uh, both really involved in the church and kind of, you know, in the forefront of everything. So, you know, it was particularly one church leader that, uh, first of all, just turned a blind eye and was like, absolutely, this is not happening. It's not happening at all. And whenever it came, he was like, well, it's happening, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to keep being friends with him because maybe, uh, maybe I can be an influence. I was struggling with that. And what I had to remind myself and what I've had to remind, uh, you know, my kids, especially my oldest, my oldest was really struggling with not liking church during that time. And the thing I had to remind him, and I really was reminding myself, is the, you know, church people are not Jesus, and you can't let your relationship with Christ be affected by church people, especially church oh. leaders that stand on the stage. They're not Jesus. They're they're up there. They're trying to do their best, but they're gonna. You know, eventually, they're gonna let you down, and you can't let your relationship with Jesus be affected by that. Uh, you know, and and sadly, so many people allow that to happen, and you know, I was. I'll be honest. I I totally see why and how, you know, there, there are people that are fans of mine that uh, they will come to my shows if it's not a church, but they have been so burned by church that they will not set foot in a church because of stuff that's happened in the past. And, you know, it's, it's tragic that that happens, but, you know, I just didn't want my kids, you know, mad at God or mad at, you know, the church or anything. And, you know, yeah. So there was a lot of uncertainty, a lot of, uh, you know, fearful, you know outcomes that could you know could happen and so uh but they you know they handled it pretty well i'm, r- I'm really proud of them
0: yeah that wow <laughs> that's awesome but shifting to the bright side now <laughs> yeah. now you've got sarah uh, okay let, let me back up you now you've got so many stories to tell <laughs> so many yeah. jokes the online dating like just all your material on online dating and stuff like I mean hysterical
1: (laughs) the dating thing I I don't know how long we can go but uh, I remember I was sitting in Chicago and I had a three-hour layover and I was newly single and I was talking to a friend of mine that lives in Nashville and she's been she's been single forever and she was like you have gotta sign on to this dating site and you won't be bored because I was telling her how bored I was in the airport and so she signed me up and I logged on and I was so angry because I'd spent years trying to write the best comedy. I had no idea it was all on one website to go and look at. But I, the very first profile I read was, and I'm going to forget her name, but it was like, hey, I'm Samantha. I'm very positive. I'm HIV positive. I just want to get that out of the way. And, and just, and I was like, oh, okay, uh, was this is this a life that i'm now in that wow i'm reading stuff like that but i would just i started reading all these profiles and uh people started messaging me and um every once in a while somebody would know who i was i had one lady uh, say oh my goodness i did not know you were single uh, but it, uh, if we go out uh, would it be okay if my kids came with us it? because they're huge fans of yours and i was like no no i'm not gonna go on a date with somebody and their kids on a first date it was yeah it was all new so it did it lended itself you know Breaking Bob the DVD uh, is 86 minutes long which is really long for a comedy you know DVD comedy right. special uh, but it's because I just kept writing and the more dates I would go on the more material was getting written for me and yeah it was yeah it was quite a, an adventure it's an adventure I don't ever want to go back on but it was yeah it was pretty crazy.
0: Yeah, and and be honest, you know, all of the best material for comedy, all of the best stuff is when you just tell what happens to you about your own life. Yeah, so, yeah.
1: so I do, I do do a joke on, or I did uh, when I was talking about all this, but I did a joke on stage at the nah, uh, dating in your forties. The first three dates is just looking for the crazy because it really, like it really, that is what it is. Like usually if somebody is single in their forties, it's not always the case, but they have some baggage, you know, oh, yeah. they have some reason why they're single, you know, and I mean, I had it, like I, I had baggage. I was, you know, this kind of broken, depressed comic. Um, so I'm not just pointing fingers, I'm pointing fingers back at me too, but yeah, he's just I would either go out and get great stories or I would just get depressed about what was out there and and all that. (laughs) then, fast forward, then I met uh, Sarah and man, my life has just drastically changed again.
0: Yeah. Now, did you guys meet online? We did. I I do a whole bit
1: about meeting her uh, online on MySpace and we were the only two left. (laughs) Uh, You guys and Tom. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. He was in my top two because that was all (laughs) they had. Um, But the real story is, I, I did, because my kids were very pro me dating, they were they were very cool about it, you know, and uh, uh, so I had gone out several times, and just, it, it really was kind of depressing of what was out there, and you know, now I'm thinking, like, am I going to be alone the rest of my life, um, you know, and so I decided, it was, I decided in November, because I wanted to get my kids through Thanksgiving, through the Christmas holidays, through New Year's. Uh, I had a ton of shows in January and February. So I was like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put dating on hold. I'm not going to date until uh, probably March. Uh, my wife now says that I made that so I wouldn't have to buy any gifts for the holidays. But that was just a bonus that I really was just going to take time off, really kind of focus on just my career and the kids, getting them through the holidays and stuff. And so uh, I wasn't, I, I decided I wasn't going to date, but dating apps are so fun uh, I was on this dating app called bumble and I like it because it allows ladies uh, you, you both swipe. And if you match, uh, you can't contact the woman until the woman contacts you first. So it's a little safer because guys are out there. And so it's a little, oh, yeah. little safer. So I, I was, whenever I'd land, it would pull up, uh, anybody you, you set a radius on your, on your dating app. And I had mine set at like uh, 10 miles. And so, when you would land somewhere, you could pull up the dating app and read all these profiles of people around you. And sometimes they'd be sitting on the plane. So it was a a source of entertainment. So even though I wasn't dating, I landed and I pulled up the app and I had a message and I had, you know, a couple of messages, but usually they're all like, sup, what's up? Or are you really a comedian or, you know, stuff like that. And then I got this message from Sarah and it was, it was a super long message and it was funny. She talked about Jesus. Uh, she had read my profile because she asked me several questions about things in my profile. And so I was like, well, I'm not dating now. I'm taking a break, but I, I need to respond to her. So I wrote back. We started writing uh, for a couple of days, and she was just very interesting. And then I was in Arkansas one day, and I I just gotten done with the show, and I was getting ready to pack, and then I was going to go to sleep because I had to get up at five to uh, to fly out. So... I got to my hotel and she messaged and she said, um, Hey, is it too soon to talk on the phone? I'd really like to talk on the phone. So I called her and we uh, talked and we had a great conversation. And then all of a sudden phone started. Uh, and I looked and I realized that it was my alarm and we had talked for six hours on the phone. Oh my god! And not one time did we say, Hey, do you remember how long we have been talking? Like it just, you know, and we talked about very real stuff. You mentioned our podcast. So it's called Hook, Line and Smiley. That's how we came up with it. Because we, we were out at at the lake one time, just having a picnic. And we were talking about a very serious topic, but we were being very funny, but still talking about a very serious uh, situation. Uh, And it was a kids together in our family, because she has two and I have three and And that's how we came up with the idea of having um, a podcast together that is funny because she is very, very funny, but also that had some, you know, some meat to it, some, some takeaway encouragement. So that's kind of how we've tried to have, you know, our, I mean, sometimes we do podcasts about weird food we've eaten, but, you know, for the most part, that first conversation was like that. Like we talked about a lot of serious stuff. We laughed a lot. I believe love is a choice, you know, it's not this feeling, everybody talks about it's like feeling love is a choice because, you know, you choose to love people. (laughs) um, So uh, I'm all about people trying to work out their marriage. But Sarah is so perfect for me. So I'm I'm always nervous about talking about her because I don't want people to go, oh, so the divorce turned out to be great, you know, so maybe there's somebody even better out there for me. Does does that make sense? Like, I don't want people to think that.
0: The thing is too, you know, you found somebody awesome, you know, and I'm sure we all know people who, you know, they get divorced and they don't find somebody and they just stay Mm -hmm. single, but they're still able to find happiness in being single in their new life, you know, Mm -hmm. with those changes. So, you know, so yeah, I don't take it you know, that way at all, you know, maybe there isn't somebody else for you out there and that's okay as long as, you know, you do understand there is a light at the end of the tunnel, Mm -hmm. you know, there is an upside to the letdown kind of deal.
1: Yeah, I I say this, you know, the uh, single's not a four letter word for that Carrie and I are doing. Um, I'll I'll say this on stage, but, uh, so I've been married, I've been, you know, through abandonment, through divorce, Um, I've been single. I've been remarried. And the thing that I've learned from all of this is no, the only relationship that truly matters is a relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have that foundation, it's a strong enough foundation to be able to stand back up anytime the world knocks you over. So all the other relationships, a bonus, but really, truly, the only thing that matters in this life is your relationship with Jesus Christ, and and so I'll tell singles that because, yeah, there's not like I don't believe that everybody's cut out. I mean, the Bible talks about Paul, you know, being single, and not everybody's cut out uh, for married life, but it doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan for you. He doesn't, you know, and and I think one of the things I I really felt like that churches have not all churches obviously, but some of the churches that I've been to in the past um, that I was a member of, it was very much pouring all the resources into young marrieds and married couples and, you know, families and all that kind of stuff. And single people were kind of, you know, made to think like you can babysit kids on Valentine's day since you don't have anybody, but you know, other than that, there's really not a purpose for you. And that is absolutely not the truth at all. You know, God can use you even in your pain and suffering. Like I've I, you know, the first couple months talking about it, you know, I still was super broken and God was using me and to encourage other people. And I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm not special at all. So if he can use me, he can definitely use anybody out there listening.
0: Wow. You've had a interesting couple of years here. (laughs) It's, it's not boring. Definitely. I mean, and Um, you know, and it shows in, in the Breaking Bob DVD and just in you know, again, you know, I I followed you for a long time and just your demeanor and just how you talk about life and your faith and, and your kids and everything, like just watching and listening to all of the ups and downs and just seeing how you've grown has just been not to sound cliche, but I mean, it's, it's inspiring. It's, you know, it's something that anybody i think can really learn from and just how you how you were able to take such a a crummy situation um and find the good find the humor and come out on the other side of it and you know your kids too you know it's huge yeah so
1: yeah it's i mean that's that's i guess my main message is that you know life is going to get tough at some point um and there is a way to get through it you know that I, I truly believe that god will light your feet even if you're on a rocky path uh and if you stay focused on him you know he'll he'll get you through that and you know i i spent many years not you know I spent many years talking about it, but not living it out. And now I'm, you know, I, I truly have lived it out and, and can tell people that there is, you know, there is hope. And, you know, I used to tell my, when people would come up after show and tell me, you know, what bad stuff's going on. I was always like, yeah, but if you can get through that, there's good times. There is still more joy to be found in the world. And, you know, I remember several nights just sit in my room telling myself that like, it hurts now it's 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 bad now but there's there is more joy uh to be had later on and uh and i, I can truly tell you that that's the that's the case
0: mm-hmm. awesome so your last dvd was breaking bob
1: yeah and then i put out a dry bar comedy special
0: yes uh, that was awesome
1: oh thanks yeah so that's that's available and that's free uh, so you can just do the dry bar comedy app and then just look it up. It, that special is called Tartar Terrace and they can, uh, <laughs> they can check that out as well.
0: Yeah. So you've got um, all your DVDs on your site, bobsmiley.com. Yep. Which is your homepage, right? Uh, it is. It's There's a link right on my homepage. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, you've got your dry bar special, uh, dry bar comedy, which I am loyal follower of, um, uh, let's see, you've got Hook, Line and Smiley podcast with mm-hmm. you and Sarah every week, every Thursday. And it comes out every Thursday morning. Yep. Yep. And if you don't listen to it, you need to. It's awesome. Go back to episode one and listen all the way. They're awesome. The other thing I'm doing uh, that I I do want to promote because it, it's taking on. Uh, so about 18 years ago,
1: I focused on the family, asked me to write a story about going back to school, and so i had gotten this really bad haircut whenever I went was about to go back to school, and so I started writing this this you know comedy article about it, and I thought of a cell phone joke, and so I thought it was supposed to be one one article. They just asked me to write one article, and I I thought of a cell phone joke. So instead of making it me, I made it a modern day version of me, and I don't know why I just called the I called the kid Average Boy, and. So they put it out as the adventure of the average boy. And it wasn't supposed to be a a, monthly column, a reoccurring column, but all of a sudden kids started writing in to focus on the family saying, hey, can that average boy kid write more stories? And so that was like 18, 19 years ago. And so I've I've written two comedy slash devotional books for middle school kids as average boy. And then in last December, they contacted me and said, we wanna try an average boy podcast and see if families will listen to, because they, families were already listening to the Adventures in Odyssey podcast that they was doing, and so we thought, well, let's try it, so I wrote some scripts, and I did, I do it with my editor, and I play Average Boy, so it's, it's me, you know, as a junior high kid, and we do this Average Boy podcast, and that thing has blown up, and so we just, we just recorded, uh, I think we have 37 recorded now, but they're wow. doing really well. So if you're if you're listening to this and you're, you know, a family or uh, young kids and stuff, check out the Adventures of Average Boy podcasts or you know, the comedy devotional books or anything like that. But and honestly, that like the royalties on on that kind of stuff, uh, and high bar comedy and you know, people watching my stuff online, uh, that has really floated us through the last three months, uh, you know, financially. Cause I, I've actually tried to get a job and I don't know what it is. But I have applied at HEB, I've applied at Sam's, Walmart I applied at. And then about a month after I applied, uh, all of them turned me down. And then uh, Walmart emailed me and said that my application uh, had expired. wanted to know if I wanted to resubmit my application. And I was like, absolutely. So I resubmit it. And they emailed me and was like, uh, no, thank you. And I was like, wait, it's like a, it's like Walmart a hot girl won't even going, take you. I'm not Walmart worthy. But I couldn't believe they emailed me and said, do you want to submit your application to you. I felt like it was like a good looking girl going, how come you don't ask me? And I'm like, oh, will you go out with me? And she's like, no. Like <laughs> I felt like it was that.
0: Kind but of it's Walmart. Don't... So how good looking is the girl?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess that's a really good point. That's a really good point. But uh, yeah, but that, that kind of stuff, uh, you know, people buying stuff online and, and even our podcast, you know, we, we ask, because there is some, some coffee, but you know, that, and so we, I just gave out my PayPal one day on, on the podcast and just said, Hey, if anyone wants to help us with some of the uh, cost of this, if you're enjoying it. And man, I was, I was surprised how many people like donated to us that, that first month really helped us out and it's got us, got us through it. So yeah, there's, there's plenty of uh, my stuff out there.
0: Sure. Now, do you have any shows or anything booked now or people starting to do anything? Well, I did, I
1: did that. That camp, I think I talked about that that camp that I did, uh, and then I did a Lions Club show, uh, like it was a luncheon, mm. uh, but it was it was around here, it was it was local, and so I did that, and it was just man, it was just fun just to get back up on stage and yeah. and do stuff, uh, and then I have two shows in August that are still going to make, but we've kind of so one of them is in Memphis, and I'm doing a Saturday night show, and then I'm preaching Sunday morning. At their two services, but they're going to cap the audience at 100 people and then they're going to live stream it. Uh, and then I'm doing another one like that in the end of August in San Antonio uh, and it's a fundraiser for a youth group. So it's the same thing. They're selling $10 tickets for people that can that want to show up and, and go to the live show but they're only, I think they go only do 150 people and then they sell $20 tickets for zoom. Uh, and then, you know, the people like families can, can watch, you know, at home. Uh, so we'll see how that goes, man. It's a, it's a brave new world. So I have those two shows and then I have a couple shows in October that haven't canceled, but other than that, everything else is just canceled.
0: Wow. Yeah. Crazy. We'll make it, man. We'll be good. Yeah, we'll get through it. We'll get through it. Good stuff. All right, well, And if anybody else wants
1: to see uh, an appearance, then you can order something through DoorDash because I'm going to start DoorDashing soon. So my, my son, uh, he's 21 and he got on and started DoorDashing. And I was like, oh, well, then I'm going to do that. Uh, and so because like I said, I really have tried to get jobs and I can't get any jobs. And so I, was, I went to sign up and they, they had just hired my son. And then they said that they, they were full and they put me on a waiting list. I was like what is it with not being able to get a job. Yeah. So, but I yeah, I'm I'm definitely open. I was joking, but I I I would DoorDash if I if I can get in.
0: Yeah, for sure. Cuz I'm
1: not Walmart worthy.
0: Right. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh man. Good stuff. Well, Bob, I definitely appreciate your time. I know uh, you're a busy guy. Mm-hmm. You've uh, you've got a, an awesome family to take care of and everything. So, thank you. Thanks, Sarah for netflix, uh for, not, for letting you hang I, out i am a busy
1: man like netflix doesn't watch itself right so, i mean there's a lot of stuff i have to do the rest of the day so we'll i'll get on that but yeah yeah i, I appreciate having me on and
0: uh yeah anytime yeah. you're bored i'll jump on and do something else <laughs> sounds good man all right we'll see you bye take care bye